Blog Talk Radio. Good evening and welcome to Golf Talk Live. I'm your host, Ted Odorico, broadcasting live every Thursday, 6 to 8 p.m. Central, from Panama City Beach, Florida, home of the world's most beautiful beaches. I want to take this opportunity to thank everyone for joining me on my weekly broadcast. Every week, I'll feature some of the best instructors, coaches, authors, and entrepreneurs in the golf business today. I begin with a great discussion on Coach's Corner, followed by an insightful interview with my special guest. So let's get started by introducing tonight's Coach's Corner panel. All right. Thank you, everybody, and good evening. And I'm glad that you joined me tonight here on Golf Talk Live. I, of course, am your host, Ted Rico, and we've got a great show for you tonight. Uh, we're going to be starting off here in just a moment or two with another uh, very interesting round here on Coach's Corner panel and a couple of quick announcements uh, preceding that. And then a little bit later on, I'm going to be joined by my very special guest tonight, uh, Shella Silla, who is the founder and president of Sister Golf, a very interesting uh, business. And I'm going to be talking to her on the second half. Um, so uh, I hope you'll stick around for that as well. Um, just a, one quick announcement about the Coach's Corner uh, segment tonight. Uh, there were going to be three guys on, two of them, are here. One, John Hughes sends his apologies. Unfortunately, he's, uh, well, fortunately for him, unfortunately for us, uh, he's still out in the lesson tee and he's going to be there for a little bit longer. So he wasn't able to, uh, to uh, join us on the panel discussion tonight. But I know these two guys uh, always bring their best and we'll, uh, we'll, we'll lift them up tonight anyways. Uh, um, but before I do that, I want to just remind everybody, uh, again, we are live every Thursday evening from 6 to 8 p.m. Central here on the blogtalkradio.com network. And of course, uh, I'm going to give a quick uh, plug, if you will, for uh, our sponsor for the Coach's Corner panel. Of course, I'm talking about golfswing.com. They've been very generous in coming back again this season uh, as the uh, principal sponsor for the Coach's Corner panel segment. Uh, and let me just tell you a little bit about them, and then I'll uh, bring the guys out for tonight's uh, discussion. Golfswing.com, with its cutting-edge technology, have teamed up alongside some of the best golf instructors, coaches, and swing gurus in the business. Together, they have created one of the best video teaching and training online platforms in golf. So if you're ready to break 100, 90, 80, or even 70, then you want to join their online video academy and learn from some of the best. Um, so join today, watch, practice, and improve your game. Um, very happy to have them back on board uh, again this season, uh, sponsoring the Coach's Corner panel. Uh, great company. And after the show, I want you to go and visit golfswing.com and sign up for their online video uh, academy. I guarantee you there's some great video tips there. Uh, one of the guests uh, on the Coach's Corner panel is one of the featured uh, instructors, has literally hundreds of uh, videos on their uh, platform. You definitely want to check them out. And speaking of which, let me introduce the guys, and we'll get into tonight's Coach's Corner panel. Uh, first up, of course, is uh, Pete Buchanan, founder, director of instruction and owner of Plain Simple Golf LLC, which, of course, houses the Plain Simple Golf Circuit and the Simple Swing Repeater Training Brace. And uh, Pete, of course, has been teaching uh, over the last 30-plus uh, years, uh, helping everybody on all different aspects of the game uh, with his business. And he's one of my uh, favorite panelists here on the Coach's Corner panel. Uh, also, as I mentioned, uh, an instructor with... Uh, golfswing.com is, of course, John Decker, also a very good friend and a favorite here on the panel. He's a teaching professional at the New Albany uh, Country Club, as well as, I mentioned, an instructor with golfswing.com. In 2015, he was named the Southern Ohio uh, Teacher of the Year, uh, prior head instructor at the Grand Cypress Academy of Golf in Orlando, 
where he worked under top uh, 100 instructors, Fred Griffin, and of course the late Phil Rogers. Uh, he's also authored a book, uh, Golf is My Life, Glorifying God Through the Game, uh, which has an accompanying uh, Bible study. And he's also a great motivational speaker as well. So uh, without any further ado, let me welcome the guys to the Coach's Corner panel tonight for our uh, lively discussion, John Decker and Pete Buchanan. Welcome, guys. Thank you, guys. Ted, good to be here. Well, I appreciate it, guys. And as always, um, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll get even with John a little bit later on. Of course, I'm talking about Hughes. Uh, we'll have a little fun maybe later on in the show, but uh, only kidding, John, if you're, if you're tuning in later, um, we're just having some fun here. Uh, always appreciate everything you bring. And, and as I've always said, business comes first. Uh, these guys give up their time freely, and I appreciate it very, very much. So when, uh, when work calls, that comes uh, first and foremost. So we're, we're always uh, glad to have him here, but uh, those students obviously need his expertise uh, that much more. So um, guys, we're going to talk about tonight, um, I, I thought this would be an interesting thing, and this is sort of right at the wheelhouse, if you will, uh, for instruction. We're going to talk about some of the factors involved in consistently making good contact with the golf ball. You know, we used to talk about the swing, and we always talk about the grip and things like that, um, but there's certain things that a lot of our amateurs struggle with. We're going to talk about a few of those things here tonight on the uh, panel discussion. And uh, uh, Pete, I'm going to, if you don't mind, I'm going to start with you uh, first and then John, and then I'll, uh, of course, flip the order. One of the things that um, we see a lot of times when we're working with our students is the, the fact of sort of moving off the ball vertically. And what I mean by that is um, if you're moving your your body up and down. So to give you a quick example, just so people can kind of visualize this in their mind, uh, if you're swinging the club in your backswing, a lot of times people that move uh, vertically, what they'll do is they'll actually, what we call in, in the industry a little bit, standing up on the ball uh, or standing up in their backswing. And then as they come into their uh, downswing, they have to come back down in order to meet the ball. So there's a lot of vertical movement. And I've seen, as I'm sure, Pete, you have, I've seen some students where, you know, a, a little or very minute uh, amount uh, happens just by nature of, of the design of the body. But when you start seeing, you know, two or three or four or even six inches of vertical movement, we got a problem. So talk a little bit about that. What are some uh, things that you've seen, Pete, and, and what do you typically try to do to help students that have that as a problem? Well, first and foremost, for me, when I see those, it usually boils down to the posture and address. They put themselves mm -hmm. in a setup position that's not balanced, and so they can't turn sufficiently. Otherwise, they would really lose their balance if they tried to turn. So they're pretty much going to stand up to try to just sit up to where they feel they can balance their legs underneath them. And I mostly find it's ones that set with the weight way back on their heels. Or typically you'll have mm -hmm. somebody who rounds the back over who just leans way over the ball, but still with the weight back on their heels. So if they try to move laterally, they'll fall off balance. So the only way they can do is just go straight up and down, whether they move their shoulders yep. more vertical or they just stand up. So I'm always looking first and foremost uh, to get the posture right, to get, the, I always call it the platform. So they can sit on a platform and that's balanced to begin with. And now we've got a, a great opportunity to get them to move from side to side versus too much up and down. Um, and also mm -hmm. what I would do in those that uh, if, if I can't use the setup and then, you know, the swing direction to help that, then I may take them over to the side and, 
and I'm fortunate that we have a teaching tee that has all the uneven lies on it. And I'll put them with the where the ball's actually above their feet to help them feel how they can, you know, move a little bit more from side to side versus up and down. Because if they try to step back and move forward, they'll keep crashing into the hillside. So it'll help them to feel right. how they can get a little bit more rounded motion in their swing versus, you know, moving too much up and down. So I'm I'm a big proponent of looking at at the address. Normally, I've always said you've heard me say before most amateurs miss hit it before they ever hit it because they've set up to where they can't get it done right. in the first place. And so I'll look at the right. address position, especially the posture, to get them balanced to begin with. And now they have a good opportunity to make the right motion. Yeah, and, and uh, well said. And, and that's a very interesting point. You know, the other thing too, John, um, and I, I want to get you to talk a little bit about this as well, because um, Pete raised right from the from the get-go a very interesting point, and that is um, it all starts with, with the posture. And if, if the golfer is not in good posture, um, then a myriad of things are going to happen, and this is one of the byproducts is that vertical movement. Um, and, and I think sometimes it's not even so much just necessarily the swing. I mean, um, I've seen things where people, from picking up the club, instead of swinging the club back in a, in a fluid motion, they're actually picking it up to, into the back swing, and quite often that will pull them out of that posture. But I think the other thing, too, and I want you to just touch a little bit about this, is uh, is also their physical ability. Uh, a lot of times if they haven't stretched or warmed up properly, that's an area as well. So talk a little bit about that uh, and some of the causes and some of the, the things that you like to try to do to help people stay in that, that proper posture. Well, first of all, Ted, thank you again for having me on Coach's Corner. And, Pete, I'm looking forward to the show as always with you tonight. Um, you know, Pete brought up a lot of really good uh, – he, he discussed a lot of the things that I look for. One is the weight distribution in the feet, I, you know, making sure that you have the, the weight in the balls of your feet, proper knee flex, you have to have your your lower body in a position where you're where it's stable, where you're in an athletic position, so that as your upper body turns, your lower body can provide the support. Um, you know, another thing that I would look at would be in, in the grip. But with that aside, looking at the physical issues, um, absolutely. If someone does not have the physical ability to make the proper turn, then they are going to lose their spine angle immediately. Um, and so um, some drills that I try to do is, um, you know, a, a lot of times when I get people in that position is I will give them a medicine ball. I'll give them something that's much heavier than a golf club and give them some weight. And I try to, I try to explain to them it's very much like pushing someone on a swing set. You want to make the club go back, right. like lower to the ground, make it go back. You don't need to make it go up. If you make it go back and your shoulders are turning, the club will go up without your head going up. But if you don't have the proper grip, if you don't have any momentum in the takeaway, and you just lift your arms and, they, and you don't have the physical fitness side of it, then absolutely you're going to lose your spine angle. And that's where, you know, that's where I'm recommending more of uh, the TPI stuff. That's where you're doing, you know, I'm trying to give them exercises that, where they don't even have a club in their hand. And, and I'm trying to, you know, sometimes I'll put their head up against the wall and have them make some turns with a medicine ball um, or I'll have them do some some, some ball tosses to me to feel something heavier uh, so that it helps to keep them to, you know, teach them how to maintain their spine angle, make it more of an athletic motion. Yeah, you're exactly right. And, and you know, guys, this is something that a lot of amateurs, you know, I've, I've had a number of people over the years on the lesson T that have fallen into every aspect of the category that we're talking about. Um, and some of it has been, 
just their physical limitations. Uh, some of it is just, um, you know, again, their poor setup, poor um, execution, if you will, of, of the, the golf swing, you know, as I said, either picking up the club or, or doing something different. And a, a lot of times, you know, it might be very subtle and a very easy fix. And then there's others that get so far out of posture. I mean, I mean, I, I taped somebody a, a couple of years ago um, and I, I, I showed him on it and I actually measured it. I, I had a, a point in the distance that I, when I was standing in front of him, and I measured it, and he, he moved his head five and a half inches up. And yeah. I, I don't know how he did it, and he still managed to hit the ball, not very well, but he still managed to hit the ball. But, you know, these are things that people just don't realize how important that posture is, but there's a lot of key components. We're going to talk about a few of them here in a minute, but, you know, of, of maintaining that posture. But one of the things is obviously – understanding and knowing your physical limitations. And if you're having issues, if you're not able to, to you know, get into that position or maintain that position um, because of physical issues, maybe, you know, your tightness in your back or your hamstrings and things like that, then as John, as you suggest, you know, there's exercises that you can do, specific exercises that are designed for golfers out there that will help. And, and definitely we want you to, you know, go and, and see somebody that, that specializes, a, a certified golf fitness instructor, um, some pros may have that certification, uh, others don't, but um, you definitely want to get with somebody on that. Um, well said, guys. Uh, John, take a deep breath, and I'm going to come back to you this time, and this is the opposite problem. Uh, they're no longer, it's not an issue so much uh, up and down as it is uh, a lateral uh, swaying problem or, or lateral movement of the body. So if, if, you know, for listeners out there, if you're having a swaying problem, moving your body laterally, uh, you need to make sure you keep your, your back knee flexed and stationary. One of the things that we see a lot of times, John, is people sort of straightening up that back knee. Um, and then obviously when they try to get back into that position, they do the old reverse uh, pivot, if you will, and they sort of fall back uh, yeah. when trying to make that change. So talk about some of the other uh, things that you see with that and, and what do you uh, see as being uh, not necessarily a cure, but a fix, if you will, uh, for somebody that's having a swaying problem. Well, swaying problem, one of the first things that you want to check if you're swaying, and this is one of the most common things I see, I see either head sway or hip sway. Um, and, and, you know, if you sway back, then you have to sway through to hit the ball. Um, but one of the first things you want to make sure is you have the ball position in the correct spot. Because if you play the ball too far back in your stance, you almost have to sway to get behind it. So that's, that's an easy fit. Not, I shouldn't say an easy fix, but that's a, a first thing that I look for. And, and it, for the listeners out there, making sure that the ball is, you know, I like to see the ball right inside of the left heel because all you have to do is turn your shoulders and you're already behind the ball. There's not a, you know, the players today, the modern golfers, they don't have a lot of lateral motion. Lateral motion will slow down your golf swing. I don't care if you're, um, if you are a tour player or a, a beginner. So the less lateral motion, there's a little bit of lateral motion, but, but the average golfer is sure. too much. And then, and then getting into, um, you know, making sure that you start your golf swing with your back and shoulders. Um, and so that is really one, and specifically uh, your shoulder blade. So I like to almost feel like my right shoulder blade, and I'm right-handed, I like to feel like my right shoulder blade is actually turning right in the initial part of my golf swing. And you're turning, you're visualizing that turning around your spine. You don't want your spine 
to be going right or left a lot in the golf swing. Uh, again, any of those movements, right to left, that, that are excessive, they're going to slow down your golf swing, and that's going to cause you to lose distance, and, and the average golfer can't afford that. So you're exactly right. You know, going back to what you were saying there, Ted, obviously the right knee, that's a function of having the weight in the balls of your feet. If you're back in your heels, like Pete was saying, then you're going to gravitate and, and move the wrong way if you're weight. Because there's not really many athletic sports that you play where you want to be in your heels. So in the balls of the feet mm-hmm. and getting that stable, you know, stable foundation with your lower body is another thing that I make sure and, and, and really – uh, make sure that the student, um, you know, is, is not doing I, A lot of the women that I see will tend to sway more with their hips. A lot of the men will tend to, to um, kind of go more up and down from what I've seen. Now, I, obviously, that's just – those are general statements, and, and they can be – you know, can go both ways on that. But um, there's a lot of reasons why. But I always try to start at the ground and work my way up. So get the ball position first. Make sure your weight's in the balls of your feet, the knee flex and then work on that turn, that initial turn, uh, and that should help a lot with with uh, the overall sway. Yeah, and, and great points. Thank you. Um, you know, something very interesting, uh, you know, getting in that, that sort of athletic position is something I, I can remember even uh, in other sports. You know, when I played football for a little while and, and, and that sort of thing, I remember we, we would get into that athletic position, and the coach a lot of times would come up behind everybody in the line, and he would push you just give you a tap and he could always tell if somebody was too far uh, on their heels or, or too far forward on their toes uh, because they would immediately lose balance uh, and he would not have to do that very hard. So it's the same thing in golf. I mean, you know, if you think about it, obviously you're not going to have, uh, you know, you're not going to be able to do that to yourself, but, um, but having, having that sensation feeling, you know, where you are, where your balance point is, is, is critical. And this is why it's important to work with your, your teach professional or, or coach, depending on, on the level of play, um, you know, having that other extra set of eyes and, and getting the proper training. Um, you know, a lot of people just go out and they, they, they focus their golf lesson on the wrong really part uh, of the game. And uh, they're looking sort of for that quick fix. And there is no quick fix. If you want to become a better, more accomplished player, you're going to have to put the time and the effort into it. And Pete, I, I know that one of the things that you're a big proponent of is obviously working on the short game. And I think, you know, really dialing in and focusing on a short game can also help with the full swing uh, and alleviating some of that swaying. Uh, so talk a little bit about that. What are some things that you like to do uh, to help uh, some of your students, uh, you know, get away from that swaying? Well, you know, just going back to the same point, you know, with, with talking about the posture. I mean, I'll always stand in front of them and I'll put a, a, my first finger on each each shoulder and I can push them over backwards because they're sitting on their heels. They, you know, they don't have any room yep. to, to hold against the grain because of where they are. And, and, you know, I do like to take a lot of the short shots because I think in, in the short game you can slow them down a lot. Um, I like to take yep. them and hit 30, 40 yard pitch shots and, and get them moving in small increments so that we can, we can move the balance along a little bit at a time. And, you know, to me, it, the first three feet that the club moves away from the ball, you should have pretty much a lot of stuff done for where the body position and the backswing is going to be. If you move in that first three feet pretty well, the rest of it's pretty simple. If you don't get the first three feet right, everything from there is compensation. So it's really about getting a good foundation for them to sit on with the address. And then, as you said, you know, move them a little bit at a time. You know, it's amazing. I'll have somebody who's sitting full shots and I'll stop them for a little bit 
and I'll say, come on, I want you to hit these pitches just to the end of the tee box. I said, that's only 30 yards. I said, just humor me for a minute. There's a method to my madness here. Let me, let me, let's do this. And I'll have them hit a dozen yep. pitch shots, and then I'll hand them a six iron. I'll say, hit me a full one, and immediately they hit it solid right within there. Like, wait a minute, what did you just do? So yep. then I just explained to them, you know, here's the reason why. And I think that goes back to the beginning, too. You know, one of the first questions I always like to ask them is, you know, what are you trying to do? And see what their answers are. Because for the most part, a lot of them are struggling because they're not really understanding what they're trying to do in the first place. So I think a little bit of explanation on what's necessary can go a, a real long ways at getting them into a better set of position and alleviate a lot of these excessive movements that they have. Yeah, you're exactly right. Well said. You know, and this is going to be a very simplistic way of putting it, but somebody said to me once, um, you know, what did you do before you learned to walk? Well, you took baby steps. You know, before you really were able to walk as an adult, you took baby steps. And it's the same principle here. You know, you learn the golf swing, um, not necessarily as the full swing, but in small components. And, you know, if you can sort of master, if you will, those small components or small backswings or shorter swings, if you will, um, with your wedges and things like that, it's much easier to um, then graduate up to the full swing. So the same thing as, um, you know, when you're walking, you know, you take those little steps first to, to learn how to walk, to get, to get your balance, to get the right feeling, and then you progress, and next thing you know, you're, you know, you're walking miles. Um, and it's the same thing with the, with the golf game. Um, you know, if you learn, uh, and this is why I think a lot of, you know, the teacher professionals out there try to get their students, and I know it's not always the most fun. Everybody wants to grab the big stick and get out there and belt them a mile. Um, but that's why most teacher professionals will try to teach you the short game first, is they want you to get an understanding and a feel uh, for the swing before they, you know, get you out there and, and belting it, uh, you know, to the moon and back. And I think that's what um, we have to really instill into the students is understanding that. And something else, too, and I want to move on to the next point, and um, Pete, you can take a deep breath on this one. Um, you know, I, I remember watching Jack Nicholas's, um, and this is dating myself, of course, but his video, uh, Golf My Way, uh, the original one, there was a Golf My Way, too, and, and it was good as well, but the, the original one was very, very good. And it was something that he talked about uh, very early on in that, and he said that when he comes out of now, obviously the seasons have, are, have extended now; they're a little bit longer than what they used to be. Um, but in his heyday, if you will, um, they had an off season, and he said that when he one of the things Pete that he did when he came out of that off season was that he worked on the fundamentals. That was the first thing he did. Um, he didn't get out there in the golf course and start playing. He worked on his fundamentals. That's how he warmed up. And he, you know, and he, obviously I'm sure he did some things over the winter months, but uh, primarily that's what he did. Talk a little bit about that. And I know we don't, you both don't need to do this because uh, it's, you know, you're just going to repeat yourself. But Pete, I, I want you to talk about that, about the grip and, and the stance and, and that sort of thing, about the importance of that, practicing those fundamentals, especially early in the season. Oh, you're exactly right. Um, first of all, Jack's, you know, serious coach, Golf My Way, what a perfect title because he's the only one that could play like that. So it was a perfect title right. for that. <laughs> Seriously, it was some good information. <laughs> but, you know, the basic fundamentals are, um, you know, I teach my, my students to do it all the time, not only when they're coming out of a, right. a, a winter season where sure. they haven't played much, but to focus on those 
But I always tell them when you're warming up before you go to play, you're working your basic fundamentals. That's what you want to warm up. You want to make sure that those are there every time before you go to play around the golf. Get those fundamentals down, understand what they are, and move and warm up the things that you're going to be using to play golf today. So let's think about that. How many putts are you going to have? How many chips are you going to have? How many pitches are you going to have? Those have to be included in this warm-up because that's part of what you're going to be using. But the basic fundamentals, you know, learn to hold it the right way and repeat that. Start with a grip. Grip the club properly first. Aim it where you're trying to go. Stand to it so that you've got your body aligned to where you can swing it in the right place and set up with the posture so that you can move yourself into the right position. So, you know, the address position, I always say, is that's the easy one. You can learn that because you haven't done anything yet. You're not moving yet. You can learn to hold it, aim it, set up to it, and get your posture right. And then you've got to move. But if you don't take the time to get that first fundamental setup right, well, the rest of it's a moot point because you can't get it done the way you want to get it done. So the, the fundamentals of the setup are, are extremely important. And they need to be put into a routine so they can repeat them. You know, going back to when you were talking about consistent contact, well, if you can't repeat your address, you're never going to repeat your impact. So you have to repeat the address right. to get yourself set up the proper way and also set up for what you're trying to do. Because sometimes, you know, you might want to hit a little bit different shot. Now you got to think, okay, what am I trying to do? What kind of contact do I have to have? How do I set up to get it? So it goes right back to the fundamentals of, of setting yourself up to produce the type of shot you're trying to get. Yeah, and that, that's a great point, too. Um, and, and that's really what I was trying to get at, you know, what I mentioned about, um, you know, Jack, is this was something, and, and you're exactly right, it's not just something for, you know, when you first come out uh, out of a winter thaw, if you will. Uh, this is something you need to do all the time. And what people don't realize, uh, and it's amazing, you know, especially if you're not somebody that plays a lot of golf, maybe you're only playing um, you know, if you're playing weekly, it's it's a little bit different, um, you know, because you're still sort of maintaining that feel a little bit. But if you're somebody that maybe only plays a couple times a month, you would be surprised that very very subtle changes, whether it be in your grip or your stance or posture, can how it can affect your overall game. And if you're not practicing those fundamentals, and you're just coming out once or twice a month, or maybe even a half a dozen times in a, in a season and you're not practicing those fundamentals because you're not playing very much, it's very easy. Um, you know, one day you might be out there and, and your grip's great, and the next time it's a little weaker or maybe it's a little stronger, and you're, you're suddenly getting frustrated, John, because um, you're suddenly making all these different changes, trying to combat and figure out why am I not hitting the ball as well as I did, you know, two weeks ago. Um, talk about that. What do you do when, you, when you're dealing with a player that's not playing, you know, necessarily every week? How do you instill them the importance of at least – you know, in between those times that you're playing to be working on the fundamentals? Well, that, that's, a, um, that's a great question because obviously um, the biggest problem that I have with a lot of my students is they, they consider the lesson to be practice. Um, and I try to explain right. to them, uh, when you come to take a lesson with me, whatever it is we work on, if it's just some, some, you know, it could be the grip or the ball position or distance from the ball, whatever it is, you need to practice it, you know, because they'll set, they'll set up a little, okay, we'll see you next, you know, Wednesday at 3 o'clock. And but, but between now and next Wednesday, you need to come to the golf course and the, or the driving range and work on this um, and put in the time outside of it. I mean, the best place to work on your fundamentals and your setup is in your living room 
or in your family room where you can't actually hit a ball because if you're at a driving range, that temptation, those balls are there, and you, you may have paid for those balls, and you're ready to hit them. But if you're in your living room, you're obviously not going to be hitting balls. And, um, and, and you can lay clubs down on the ground. You can, you can uh, work on your grip. You can stand in front of a mirror. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've been in front of a mirror working on my setup uh, and my takeaway, and I, and I never hit a ball. Uh, so I think that those yep. are ways, uh, you know, now that the season, we're in the season, obviously the weather's nice, the Masters is going on, so it's a great time. You know, um, I think that's, uh, those are important keys. And can I tell a quick story about, because you were mentioning Jack Nicklaus, about what Phil Rogers told yep. me about Jack Nicklaus, and, it, and it'll be really quick. But um, when, when yep. uh, in 1980, uh, Jack was uh, in his early 40s, and he called Phil up, and he said, Phil, I want to fly you to Palm Beach. Um, my, uh, my short, I need to work on my short game. And so Phil flew down there, and he, and he was only going to go there for two days. He ended up staying two weeks. And all they worked on was his short game. Worked on putting, chipping, bunker, and pitching. And that year, Nicholas won the U.S. Open and the PGA Championship. And he, to this day, says that it was the, the time that he spent with Phil Rogers because he was at a point in his career – when he knew he wasn't going to dominate golf courses, that he had to have a short game to right. fall back on. To the listeners out there, do not neglect your short game. While you're taking full swing lessons, do not neglect your putting and your chipping and bunker and pitching because you're going to need that to hold yourself in, especially early on in the season. Yeah, you're exactly right. And, and you know, that's a, an interesting, you know, um, point too that <clears throat> pardon me that you know a lot of our, our club golfers and our recreation golfers out there you know they, they wonder why they're never improving and i'm like you john you know i, I get people sometimes not as much anymore because most of the, the corporate yeah. people that i work with now know better than to say that well this is you know this uh, lesson here is my practice um because i'll, I'll make them practice <laughs> i'll make them work that hour or whatever it happens to be um, that they'll regret it and they'll be wishing that they had have, you know, waited a week to go out to the range or something. But, um, you know, the, the idea is that you've got to be able to, you know, no matter what it is that you learn in life, whether it be, you know, your golf game or uh, something for work, you know, a project you're working on, a new skill set, you have to put time in to learn that. You know, if, if you're somebody that's not that proficient in computers, if somebody showed you, you know, how to use a, a certain program, uh, today, some people can certainly adapt very quickly, but most people need to play around with it and do things. Well, it's the same thing with your golf game. You know, when the instructor is showing you uh, tips or techniques that, that are going to help improve certain areas of your game, then you need to go out and practice those, uh, those areas that you've been taught because if you don't, uh, it's just literally going to go in one ear and out the other. So um, these are things that uh, I think that uh, are very common sense, if you will, for, for the group of us here. Uh, because we live it day in day out, but for a lot of our amateurs, I just don't think they get it sometimes, and it's very difficult to to try and say to them, "Hey, you know, if you really want to get better, you're going to have to put that time in." And it's amazing that when they actually do put some time in, they start to see that improvement. They're thinking, "Hey, you know what? There's something to this." So, you know, if you're listening out there, any of the things that we tell you on the show um, will certainly help improve your game. Um, but it has limitations. If you're not willing to go out and work on these things, then it doesn't matter. I don't care how long they've been in the business or what level of instructor they are. If you're not willing to put the time and effort in to work on some of these different skills, 
uh, and different tips and, and pointers that we're giving you here on the show, um, then you're never going to be a better golfer and you're just going to continually to, to be challenged with the same struggles and so forth. Um, I think we're back. John, you take a deep breath. Uh, you already mentioned this a little bit, so I'm going to kind of skip past it, but you talked about ball position. Um, this is a big one too that I think a lot of people um, uh, get confused with. They play it a lot of times uh, too far back in their stance and and uh, then they're either kind of chopping down the ball or they've got it way too far forward uh, for the club in hand. Uh, obviously, your driver, you're going to have it a little further forward, but your irons, if you get it too, too far forward, uh, then you're kind of reaching for the ball, and that creates a whole myriad of issues. So I don't want to get too much of John, if you have any quick comments you want to make about the ball position, uh, go ahead, and then I've got another question for you. Well, I just basically, you know, if you're a right-handed uh, golfer, it's going to be right, uh, like a lot of times your golf, the logo on your shirt will be on the left-hand side where your left pocket is. It's just right inside of the left heel. I, I'm pretty much, uh, uh, you know, the way I was taught, the ball position really shouldn't change that much. What changes is your distance from the ball, obviously your club, and then the width of your stance, longer club, wider stance, a, a shorter club, a more narrow stance. Right. But but, um, you know, if you're moving the ball position around a lot, you're making golf a lot more difficult than it really needs to be, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. And w- one quick note that I want to ask you uh, the next question. You know, sure. you can make subtle movements of the ball. I mean, obviously, uh, now there are other things that you can do as well, but some players, especially older players that uh, on, I remember on the PJ Tour, would maybe move it back slightly if they wanted to hit it uh, a little yeah. lower or sometimes if they wanted to get a little height. And there's nothing wrong with that subtle move. It might be a half a ball uh, or, or even less in some case, depending on what, what their um, ultimate uh, goal is. But when you start moving at two or three ball positions back or even two or three forward, um, that's a big difference. And, and really you need to find where the bottom of your, your uh, swing arc is uh, to understand where the ball position is because, again, where you're clipping the grass – that ball uh, needs to be slightly back of that so that when you're hitting it, you're compressing the ball first. And a lot of players do the opposite. They move it too far forward. Um, but uh, the question I want to have uh, talk to you a little bit or get you to talk a little bit more detail about, and this is one that you don't really hear a lot of people, uh, you know, even, even golf pros, um, and that is golf ball compression. Um, there is a difference. You know, not all balls are created equally. Um, you know, we have everything right up to 100, 90, 80, and, and et cetera. Um, obviously, yeah. the higher the number, the harder the ball and the less compression. Talk a little bit about how that affects and, and obviously the different type of player, why it's important for them to pay attention when they go out and buy their, you know, the next, uh, you know, box or whatever of golf balls, why they need to pay particular attention uh, to the compression of that golf ball because it makes a difference to the type of player that they are. So, so tell them a little bit about that. Yeah, I think that this is a, a, a great question. And, and you know, obviously um, I know price is something that a lot of people consider, especially if you're the type of golfer and you're losing six or seven golf balls every time you go out and play golf. Uh, spending $50 on a, on a dozen golf balls is, it can add up pretty fast. Um, the, as far as the, you know, the compressions go, a lot of it has to do, the first thing I look at is your swing speed. Um, you do not, if you're a, if you have a slower swing speed, you not, do not want to be playing a, a ball with like a hundred compression, uh, which is what no. the, you know, the tour players are going to be playing with. And, 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 and there's different number or there's different, you know, depending on what ball manufacturer you go with, 
there's different names and different many you know different brands of those but with the compression i mean a lower compression something like the in the 80 90 range for for a slower swing speed is the way to go if you're a if you're a better player and or a, a lower handicap player obviously a higher compression ball then you want to look at your spin rates do you like for example um you know if you put a lot of spin on the ball uh, which will make your ball curve. You know, that's something I'm always fighting with my driver. I tend to spin it too much when I'm not swinging well. So I like to have a, a lower, you know, I like to have a ball that's that's a, a higher number compression but the lower spin rate. So those are things that you can, you know, the best thing that I would tell you to do as far as is picking out balls is to go to your local club professional or your teacher and, and talk to them about it. And I think it's very important for the listeners out there to be consistent with the golf ball that you play. If you're playing a pinnacle yes. on one hole and you're playing a Titleist Pro V1X on the next hole and you're playing a Bridgestone on the next hole, you have no chance <laughs> of ever having any consistency in your short game. Your putting is going to be horrible and you're going to really struggle. And you're going to go, wow, I hit this one ball and it rolls forever and I hit this other ball and I get no distance out of it. So it's important that whatever ball you choose, try your best to not only uh, use that, that ball, that one ball, because there is a one ball rule in effect, but if you're out playing recreational golf, resist the temptation to just find whatever or play whatever ball you find in the lake. You know, try to, try to be consistent with what you play. Uh, if you're just out horsing around or just hitting balls, you know, you're just playing a few holes here, here or there, then it's just not a big, as big of a deal. But if you're out and you're really trying to play better golf, playing with one golf ball is very important. Yeah, you're 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 exactly right, uh, and that was one of the reasons why I wanted to throw that in because all of these things that we're talking about here tonight really, um, when people understand, you know, things about ball compression and and you know lateral and vertical movement and 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 sways and things like that, it helps people when they understand what it is they're doing wrong or if they're not choosing the right equipment or the right golf ball. Uh, Pete, you know, an example, uh, John already touched on this a little bit, but, you know, backspin and sidespin, you know, how much is too much? Um, you know, obviously there are situations where ideally it would be great to curve the ball a little bit. Um, some pros maybe favor a fade a little bit, uh, like Nicholas did, or other pros maybe favor a draw a little bit. And then there's those out there that uh, get a big old hook and a big old slice, and they say, well, I get plenty of curvature, I'm just not getting the ball up in the air. So talk a little bit about that. I mean, John's touched on the compression, but obviously it factors as well about spin and, and so forth. So when you're working with your students, do you talk to them about uh, this type of thing, about uh, you know choosing the right golf ball for their particular game? Do you advise them? I and mean, obviously they're going to go out and, and you know buy out of their wallet whatever they want to buy, but do you try to encourage them or, or give them some pointers on, on ball selection as well? Well, no question. You know, the one question I always get a lot from, and, and usually comes from the higher handicap, is just those stuff. Well, I want a ball that you know I can I can spin enough to back up on the green. And I said, well, you curve it so much right now, you don't want a ball that's going to spin any more than that, because you will side spin and, and back spin. It still spins, so your ball curves so far offline. You might want a ball that doesn't spin as much. And you know, I also ask them too when they're talking about backing the ball up. I said, well, you don't quite hit it far enough forward yet, so let's worry about that first. And then maybe down the line we can worry about backing the ball up. But, you know, spin rates are, 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 are important. I mean, you don't want it to, to overspin too much. 
you know, a lot of times with the driver, it'll climb too much and they won't get any carry out of it. But yeah, there are definitely with, with the different brands and different types of golf balls, it's, you know, there's club fitting and there's ball fitting. And I'm, I'm a big proponent of that. I think they should find a ball that, that really fits what they're trying to do. And as John said, what a great point is, you know, play with the same ball all the time. Uh, you know, you can't get any yeah. consistent movement on your short shots. If you keep changing balls, you know, it's just not going to work. So, um, you know, it's, I used to tease my, my students a lot when they say, what balls do you play? I said, I play the ones I find. They're the least expensive. And I'm just teasing them, but you know, it's, it's tempting to do that, but you know, you really <laughs> want to find a ball that really fits your game. Um, the one that, um, you know, it gets the right, the, the right spin for what you're trying to do uh, for, for the shot shapes you're trying to make, you know, um, you know, you know, me as you, we've talked enough, I, I'm trying to hit the thing straight. So I don't right. want a ball that spins very much. Um, you know, I'm, right. I'm I, I like to take the quickest way between two points and on a straight line. So, you know, I think it's, you know, for me, when I was growing up as a kid, you know, when, when they had all the old baladas, you know, that if you didn't pull it out of the box, you might cut it. The covers are so soft. Um, you know, I, I couldn't keep those on the greens, so I could never play them. I used to play the old Titleist DT because it would stay there, you know. Yeah. So, you know, you have yeah. to find a ball that fits what you're trying to do, and, and it's really important. You know the pros do. <laughs> they all have a ball that fits exactly to what they're trying to do. And, you know, with the yeah. inconsistencies of an amateur, it's it's really important that they find a ball that really fits fits their game. And, and they, you know, it's, you know, talk to the pro. You know, if you don't have a pro and you're just, you know, that you work with consistently, you know, uh, there's there's always ways to find, you know, you can even find a rep in the area and you can really get some good information on golf balls and, and get some that really fits your game. Yeah, well said. And, you know, the other thing too, um, guys, is, you know, as Pete was just mentioning, you know, sometimes there are folks out there that maybe aren't working with a professional week in, week out and, and uh, you know maybe just go and take lessons occasionally, um, but if if you've mastered the ability to read, um, and especially with technology today, you can go online and and um, give you an example. You know, Golf Digest uh, and, and obviously some of the other magazines every year usually comes out with equipment um, testing and and so forth. And even though I know you need to try it yourself, but they will give you some general information as a guide. Now that doesn't mean that necessarily that's going to be the right one for you. But they'll test a lot of different golf balls, and they'll tell you what happened. Um, they'll use a, a variety of different uh, um, handicapped uh, players. Um, so you might have a higher handicap, a lower handicap individual, and you get an idea of their of their club head speed, and you may fall into one of those categories. And you know you can read that information, and then you know make a little bit more. And again, go and talk to your local club uh, club pro or or teach a professional, and you know get some feedback from them. So you can do a little homework, a little research yourself, I think goes a long way as well. Because, you know, guys, it's, it's very daunting for a lot of players, even for us nowadays. You know, when you walk into a pro shop or you walk into some of the, even the big box stores and you go into the golf uh, section and, you know, it's just wall after wall after wall of golf balls. And, you know, obviously if you're somebody that's played for any length of time, you, you kind of, and I'm like you, Pete, I used to play the Titleist DT uh, for years and years, and uh, some of the guys, some of my friends back home, you know, that I would play with were not uh, real good golfers, so I would always keep a few sleeves of some not-so-good golf balls in there because, you know, uh, at the beginning of the round, you know, we would sort of compare and say, well, you know, what ball are you playing or what ball you're playing, and a couple of my friends said, well, whatever's in Ted's bag, so 
I always had to keep a few sleeves of cheek balls in there because I didn't want there to take go. my good Titleist balls. But, um, but right. you know, all kidding aside, you know, you, you've got to be able to uh, to understand that information. And as both of you pointed out, if, you know, once you uh, kind of get fitted for the proper uh, golf equipment, uh, meaning clubs and so forth, uh, you also need to get fitted for the right ball for you. Because, uh, again, if you're playing, as John, as you mentioned, if you're playing something that's 100 compression and your you know, swing speed's 85 miles an hour, uh, you're going to have a tough time. And conversely, if you're, you know, even if you're playing uh, and your swing speed is, you know, maybe 100 plus and uh, you're playing an 80 compression golf ball, that's going to give you some difficulties as well. So um, there's a lot of thought that needs to go in this. But the, the, the bottom line is this, guys, is if we want to become better players and better ball strikers and make more solid contact, the things that we talked about tonight is a good start. Now, there are other factors as well, and we can get into those another time. But um, I want to give each of you an opportunity to do some closing thoughts on, on what we're talking about here tonight, and then I'll give you uh, a moment or two to let the folks, as we wrap up, let the folks know uh, how they can get a hold of you. But, um, John, I'm going to let you start off. Um, just some final thoughts, being a better ball striker, more consistent uh, ball striker, Some of the, you can use some of the things we talked about, or maybe if you've got some others that you want to throw in there, uh, by all means, and then Pete, I'll, give, I'll let you do the same. And and Ted, do you want me to just close out everything? Or are we going to come back on that? Um, just uh, you can. Uh, no, 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 no. Uh, we'll come back on. Yeah, we'll come back on, okay. on the other. Uh, I just want to make sure. Um, I, one of the drills that um, that I love to teach, and I'm, I meant to talk about this earlier and I forgot, um, is a drill, and I've got it on one of my YouTube videos. It's where you take your you take like a pitching wedge or a nine iron. Um, you put, you take your right leg and you cross it over your left leg and then you kind of bend your knees and then you go ahead and put the ball right between your feet and you just hit shots with your legs crossed like that. Or you can put your feet together. And if you're a student who's swaying, if you tend to one time hit, you know, hit the ball and then the next time you hit six or eight inches behind the ball and one time you hit it fat, one time you hit it thin, you're most likely moving around extra so if you'll put your feet together or cross your legs and hit balls, small shots, not trying to hit it more than 70 or 80 yards, you, your contact will improve immediately, and you will be amazed um, with that little drill, um, you know, how, how consistent uh, your ball striking will be this year. And just make sure and do it with a short iron. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, that's a great drill, and uh, a key point that you, you mentioned there that, people have to understand as well. When you've got your feet together like that, you're not taking a full swing. It might be a half swing, um, three quarters maximum. Even then that's pushing a little bit because you're going to lose balance for sure because you're going to have to, in order to be able to get the club up that high, you know, in most cases, unless you're very, very flexible, uh, you're going to end up losing your balance. You're going to have to actually have some uh, body movement involved. And, and uh, so I, I agree with that. I think that's a great drill. Um, uh, Pete, what about you? What what are some things other than uh, you can certainly wrap up what we talked about here tonight, but uh, maybe some other things as well to really help your students with some solid contact? Well, I think first and foremost, you have to repeat your practice, and your practice has to have a purpose. And, you know, it's really important, as John said, if, if your instructor gives you some things to do, uh, do them. You know, you need to do those before you come back because otherwise you're just you're you're really not – you know, getting yourself down the road. But I think you have to be consistent in your in, in, in your process of what you're doing when you go to practice, consistent in your setups, 
Um, one of the things I like to use, as John was talking about with a drill, I, used, I call it the wall-to-wall drill. So it's it's about when the when you take the club back, if there was a wall behind you, if the club was flat up against the wall, you stop at that position so the club head's not further down towards the fairway. And you swing it in that mm-hmm. length on either side. And I have them do a bunch of pitch shots to where I keep the, the swing length the same, but I keep changing the distance. So they have to control how fast they swing the club, but the length stays the same all the right. time. It's a great drill to really consistently work on controlling the golf club. And I think that's really, really important. And I think them understanding the relationship between their arms and the club is vital to consistent contact. If you don't understand how the club and your arms have to work together, um, you can move the body perfectly, but if you don't have your hands and arms in that club working, you're still not going to hit consistent golf shots. So you need to understand the relationship between the arms and the club too, as well as, as the body giving you a position of, of balance to help you. But I, I really think, you know, consistency is a big one to, you know, do the same things over and over again. And, you know, I know a lot of my players that get tired of me telling them the same things over and over. And I keep telling them, well, if you'd learn it, we could move on to something else. But I'm going to keep telling right. this until you get it. So, you know, we have to keep working on the same things. But, you know, uh, they just continually get better. But it's a reminder for them to stay consistent and, and to always make sure there's a purpose to what they're doing. Right. Well said. You know, just a couple things. One of the, the um, practice drills that I always really like to do, and I like to do this myself because, you know, we all fall into these traps. I don't care how long you've been playing and, you know, how good of an instructor you are. You know, we all, again, sometimes if we haven't been out for a little while, we get a little rusty and things. One of the, the uh, drills that I always liked was the split hand uh, drill um, for a number of reasons. It obviously helped me um, make good, solid contact, but it also helped me understand how the hands uh, and the arms rotate properly through the swing. And that's something that a lot of times um, when people take their, their you know normal grips, if they're not a very uh, good or accomplished player, a lot of times... Um, you know, they'll start getting all over the place. And that split hand grip a lot of times will help them make the proper transition. Obviously, if there's other things that are uh, askew in their in their swing, um, that's not going to cure that. But that kind of gives them a proper feeling of a, a good release. And um, I always like that myself. Whenever I got a little bit sketchy uh, with my game, I would go back to that drill. That was the one that I always uh, really enjoyed doing. Uh, and, and the other thing, too, that I want to mention, and this is just going back to something I said uh, a few moments back, the reason why I brought Jack Nicklaus in, into the, the fold is not just because, you know, he was probably my favorite player, um, but, you know, if you consider the caliber of golfer that he was, how many majors he won, how many tournaments he won worldwide, if a man like Jack Nicklaus gets out and practices all different aspects of his game, then that only goes to prove that you and I need to do the same thing. So for you listeners out there that think, well, you know, I don't need to do that or I just don't have time for that. Well, if Jack Nicholas had said that, I guarantee you he wouldn't have won the majors that he did. So if you want to be a better player, take the tips that we're giving you here on the show, um, not just tonight, but in other panel discussions and other uh, discussions that we have from time to time and get out there and work on that and definitely get out and connect with your local uh, golf professional, golf teacher, golf coach, uh, again, depending on what you're working on, and get them to help you with your game. But if you're going to do that, if you're going to make the time and investment of money, then you also need to invest the time to get out and practice the things that you're being taught because otherwise you're wasting not only your own time, but you're wasting our time as well. And I say that respectfully, um, but the truth of the matter is that is the truth. If you're not going to practice, um, then there's no point in coming and taking lessons. 
because they're just wasting time. Um, guys, thank you as always. Uh, very interesting discussion tonight. Um, and uh, I appreciate uh, all of your thoughts and input as always. Pete, I'm going to let you go first. Uh, just let the folks know uh, how they can get a hold of you uh, if they want to uh, ask any questions uh, or if they want to reach out, maybe uh, connect with you and, and see if you can help them with their game. Well, first, Ted, thanks again for having me on. And, John, it's always a pleasure to, to be on with you and chat with you in, in these segments. It's a great time. You know, they can reach me at plainsimplegolf.com. That's P-L-A-N-E, plainsimplegolf.com. All my social media connections are out there, you know, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter. They're all there. So uh, they can definitely get the contact info that's there and, and um, you know, ask any questions that, that they have. You, you, you can contact there. There's a space at the bottom. You can not only – uh, send me your information where you can ask questions too. So if there's anything you're you're interested in and any anything that uh, I'm doing that you see and you want to know about, you know, don't hesitate. Uh, I'm always available to answer questions and I, and I like doing that. And so, you know, as as we talked about, Ted, I have a big online program. So I mean, I I got players right. all over the place. So, you know, they can they can get to me and I can get back to them really quickly. And it's a great way to work. So, don't hesitate if you're not in the same area to reach out because uh, we can definitely do some work together. Yeah, and that, that I was actually going to mention that very quickly. Um, that is a, something that, you know, in today's uh, game and, and, and instruction, you know, you don't necessarily have to be even in the same state. Uh, you don't even have to, in fact, you don't even have to be in the same country. So if you're listening out there uh, from wherever you may be, and, uh, you know, a lot of great coaches like Pete and, and, and others out there have an online presence, and I'm not just talking about watching their videos. I mean, those are great too. Uh, but actually have the ability to connect with you and actually help your golf game, even if you're not living in the same area as they do. So take advantage of that. that that's what it's there for. That's, what, that's how you use technology properly is you connect with people and uh, you know, that, that uh, have a vested interest in, in helping you uh, become a better player. Um, so reach out uh, uh, to Pete uh, through his social media, and he'll help walk you through the program. Uh, John, uh, how can folks reach out to you and anything that you want to add? Well, again, thank you, Ted, for having me on the show. It's, uh, I've, I've really enjoyed it. And, Pete, as always, I've, I enjoy being with you. And, and I really ha- appreciate your helping me because uh, I had some questions with you. We talked about the online instruction. That's something I'm doing as well. But uh, I'm really excited to announce um, I'm going to be partnering with uh, Dr. Angelica Napolitano, who was on your show a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ted, on April 23rd, we're going to be starting a, a podcast called the Golf Swing RX Podcast. And it's, uh, we're calling it the prescription for your game. And she's a doctor of physical therapy. So she's going to talk about the, the aches and pains and the movements of the body and everything. And I'll be talking about the golf swing side. So I'll be, uh, so I think it's Excellent. going to pair up. I'm really looking forward to that. And, and Ted, we're hoping to have you and Pete as well on the show as well. Um, if you Perfect. want to reach out to me uh, through, it can be through uh, John, through Facebook is John Decker golf instruction. And I spell my first name, J O N I'm on Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn and YouTube as well. And as you mentioned earlier, I'm on golfswing.com forward slash John Decker. Um, if you go on golfswing.com, you can see my videos. I have about 300 videos on that. Um, my book golf is my life glorifying God through the games available on Amazon or Barnes and Noble website. And if you live in North Carolina, I am going to be speaking at the in Pinehurst at the Southern Pines uh, First Baptist Church on May the 1st. And on May the 2nd, I'm going to be spent speaking at the Benson Baptist Church for the mayoral breakfast uh, that morning. So I'd love to meet you if you're in that area. 
Perfect. Um, well, guys, as always, uh, again, I want to thank you both for, for taking time tonight. And, and um, uh, again, regrettably, John Hughes wasn't able to join us tonight, but certainly understandable, and uh, we look forward to having him join us again. And I just want to very quickly, before I let both of you go, um, and, and if you want to certainly make any, any uh, final comments, uh, by all means, um, but I just wanted to, to um, sort of pay respect, if you will, to uh, a woman who meant a lot to the game of golf. Of course, I'm talking about uh, Marilyn Smith, who was one of the original founders uh, of the LPGA, uh, along with uh, many others. In fact, she was one of 13 of the original founders of the LPGA, which is the Ladies Professional Golf Association. Uh, passed away here just a few days ago at the age of 89, and uh, she was truly an ambassador of the game. I had the honor and pleasure, along with my good friend and partner, um, uh, LPGA professional Cindy Miller, of uh, speaking with her uh, on the Women of Golf Show, which is the other show I do on Tuesday mornings uh, last season, and uh, really enjoyed having her on and uh, hearing some of the great stories. Of course, she has a wonderful foundation where she does so many things to give back and, and to the game and that, and uh, she was just really one of the originals to spearhead um, the golf game. And, and you know, one of the things I hope, particularly for ladies out there that are listening, um, Google Marilyn Smith, and it's spelled M-A-R-I-L-Y, double N, not one N, Smith, of course. Uh, just put LPJ and you'll get her for sure. And really look at um, some of the accomplishments that she did because really most of the young ladies, in fact, all of the young ladies that are out in the LPJ today uh, and, and various different tours and, and feeder tours and things like that, owe a lot uh, of gratitude to uh, the things that um, she did and, and the others, of course, um, and helping to get women into golf uh, and to the level that they're at now. So it's because of women like Marilyn Smith uh, that you're out there enjoying this great game. So I hope that you'll take the time to, to visit uh, some of the great articles that have been written out about her over the years and just some of the great links and, and just, you know, avail yourself, avail yourself, excuse me, uh, of just uh, who Marilyn Smith was, because she was a great lady, and she'll be sadly missed by many in this uh, industry. So, I uh, just want to mention that. And, and John and Pete, if you want to, you know, if there's anything you want to add or say, uh, by all means, go ahead. Well, I, I would like to say that you know, it's it's uh, first of all, uh, Ted, that was very well said, and uh, the pioneers, the 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 LPGA, and the way it's grown. Um, obviously, um, the game of golf owes her a lot, and we she we we pray that uh, her and her family, uh, we wish them the, the, nothing but the best. Right. Uh, well said. Yeah. I would, I would, um, yeah. I just echo what John said. You know, it's it's people like that 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 we need to continue to have, you know, uh, coming up and keep following in the footsteps to to really keep this game going, and uh, to to make it what it is. So you know, prayers out to their, their family. Yeah, we're, we're going to talk, Cindy and I are going to talk a little bit about it on Tuesday. Obviously, we have some guests uh, that are going to be on the show, but I wanted to, to mention a little bit more, obviously, because it's the, the women's program. Um, but, you know, I really want the young ladies that, that listen to the show particularly to really understand because, I, you know, the, the sad part, you know, of, of many of the generations coming up is they're not really – as diligent in, in sort of researching. I mean, everybody obviously hears of Tiger and, and some of the younger players that are out there now, but they don't really, and they forget some of the pioneers that really um, fostered and developed these golf tours uh, like Marilyn Smith and Shirley Spork and, and uh, Babe Zaharias and, and all kinds of uh, other great uh, golfers that many people wouldn't know who they were 
unless you're in the golf business. Um, and I just really, you know, want to pay my respects, if you will, by by giving them uh, that recognition because they, you know, because if it wasn't for people like Marilyn Smith, we all really wouldn't be here um, enjoying this great game because they made a lot of sacrifices and particularly for the ladies uh, in developing that tour. So, and they did a phenomenal job. Um, guys, thank you as always. Again, I appreciate it, and I look forward to you joining me again next time on the Coach's Corner. Thank you. Thanks, Ted. Appreciate it. Thanks, John. All right. Thanks. All right. Good night, guys. Good night. All right. That was my very special guest panelist, uh, Pete Buchanan and John Decker. Uh, I want to thank both of them for uh, joining me tonight uh, on the Coach's Corner panel. And uh, just before I bring up my, my special guest, I'm going to tell you a little bit about her in a second. Um, but uh, I just want to uh, remind everybody, of course, that we have a great sponsor of the Coach's Corner panel, uh, golfswing.com, which we uh, mentioned earlier on. And here's just a, a quick word from them, and then I'll introduce my next guest. Are you finally ready to improve your golf game? Golfswing.com is changing the way golfers learn online. With the largest collection of golf training programs and drills on the planet, golfswing.com can help you improve every part of your game. Whether you want to gain more distance, hit it closer, or just sink more putts, Golfswing.com staff of world-class coaches can help you gain the results you need. Watch unlimited videos on any device from anywhere in the world and start playing better, scoring lower, having more fun, and saving money. Get your fix on demand at Golfswing.com. All right. Again, after the show, go visit Golfswing.com and check out their great online video academy. Uh, and join. You can subscribe to their website and uh, get access. To, as John mentioned, who was on just a moment ago, um, he's got over 300 videos now uh, on there, and there's many, many other great instructors from literally all over the place, um, top uh, PGA guys and that that are out there uh, helping folks like you out there become better golfers. So make sure you check out golfswing.com. I'm very excited tonight to have uh, this evening's uh, my very special guest, uh, on the show for a couple of reasons. I'm going to tell you about that in just a moment. But first, let me just tell you a little bit about her, and then I'm going to introduce her uh, officially and bring her on to the show. Uh, her name is Shella Silla. Uh, she's the founder and president of Sister Golf. Uh, and uh, she was a former banking executive uh, with nearly 20 years of experience in the financial services industry. Uh, Shella has worked in the areas of corporate banking, uh, commercial uh, real estate finance, and wealth management. And during her tenure in banking, she worked for various institutions, including Union Planners, uh, Bank Now Regions, uh, where she was a repeat member of the Million Dollar Club. And as a result, uh, Shella was a wealth of knowledge on the tools needed to succeed in what traditionally has been a male-dominated corporate America culture. Uh, Sister Golf provides professional development training through speaking engagements and interactive introduction to business golf workshops. These programs are designed to provide men and women with a basic understanding of the game of golf uh, so they can join the conversation at work and leverage the sport to achieve business development and career advancement goals. In 2015, Sister Golf was recognized as the winner in the women or minority-owned uh, emerging business category of the Birmingham Business Alliance's Small Business Awards. Uh, and she's appeared on many, many uh, shows as well as in um, multiple magazines. We'll talk a little bit about that as we go, but uh, I want to uh, welcome my very special guest, uh, Shella Silla. Good evening, Shella. Welcome. Good, good evening. Happy to be on. Well, I appreciate it very much. Um, 
your what's very interesting, and I, as I was saying in the in sort of the lead in here, um, what's obviously most of the the folks that I have on the show obviously are uh, traditionally in the golf business, whether they're uh, a golf instructor, coach, or or an entrepreneur, if you will, in in particularly in the golf business. But what's very unique about your story is that you were in a completely different industry, but you recognized um, the power, if you will, and how important golf plays or can play uh, in your business life. But before we get into some of that, what I want you to do is talk about uh, a little bit of how you actually got introduced into golf. Okay, sure. I will tell you that I did not play golf in high school. I did not play golf in college. In fact, um, whenever I would see golf on TV, I would quickly change the channel because I thought it was extremely boring. But So it's interesting how I did get introduced to the sport and how I became a, a really good advocate of it. And it's part of my story because early on in my banking career, um, before I was even in any type of a client-facing role, I was working back office in, as a credit analyst in just about every Monday, the guys in my group would come in and they would have this golf conversation about um, what they did over the weekend, you know, how well they played, or if they watched a tournament on TV, who was leading. And it was interesting to me that myself and the other ladies in the office could never quite break into those conversations or be a part of those conversations because it kind of went over our head and we really didn't know anything about the sport. And I remember – right quite vividly on one specific occasion where I asked one of the guys, I said, you know, um, I have a question. Why is it that the scores on golf go backwards instead of forwards? Why is it is that, you know, in order for you to do well, um, you have to have a lower score than a higher score? And, and they just kind of gave me this blank stare. No one answered my question. And they continued with their conversation. And I just felt so embarrassed and left out. And I, you know, quietly, you know, took a couple of steps back and just turned around and went to talk to the other ladies. So that kind of um, was the beginning where my interest was piqued into what is this thing that's such a catalyst that draws the guys together, that they have this camaraderie around, that they're so excited about, that they talk about um, every Monday morning and throughout the week that we as ladies are left out of. So that's where it kind of began, and it evolved once um, I got promoted, and I did get into a client-facing role when I was a lender, and I was actually tasked with going out and bringing business into the bank, which they tell you. Right. Um, you know, they put you through a number of sales training courses. They train you on all of the bank's various products and services, and you feel like, hey, you're completely equipped to go out and, and um, meet the expectations that they set before you. And as I embarked upon that journey, I found it to be a lot more difficult than I had originally thought it was going to be and quickly learned that people do business with who they know, like, and trust. And although I was doing all right. the networking things that was – um, required of me, it was still difficult to cultivate those relationships necessary to bring over the large size deals that I was tasked with um, bringing. And, and while I was going through all of that, one thing I was noticing was I'm doing all of this hard work, but I had colleagues and coworkers um, who were all male who were leaving to go play golf every day at 3 p.m. 
and and they were right. making um, getting the deals look easy. So we'd have our monthly sales meetings, and um, they would throw everybody's scores up on. When I say scores, you know, what, did you meet your monthly production loan goals? And they were exceeding right. it and making it easy. And, and, and so um, finally I approached one of the top performers and I said, hey, look, you know, I really need some help. I'm struggling here. What can I do to improve my numbers? And um, he said to me, well, you should come play golf with us. And I, at that point, did not see the connection at all. And um, Right. But I was um, but I um, felt like if it was something that could help me, maybe it was something that I should try. So at that moment is when I decided to go ahead and um, start maybe considering taking lessons. And I grabbed a couple of girlfriends who had no interest in sport whatsoever and were in total in a completely different industry to take lessons with me and started taking lessons and actually ended up liking it. So. That's how I got started, and that was in, um, I was well into my career in adult. The, the very first time I picked up a golf club. Now, let me, very, very quickly, no, no, no. I hope that answered your question. No, yes. no. <laughs> no, that that was perfect, Shella. Um, how long ago was okay. that approximately? Just in that, How long ago was that? That was back in, I want to say maybe, 2001 or two. <laughs> okay, so, so yeah, so, so that's quite that's ago. quite a few years then. Yeah, so that's I mean, so mm-hmm. you've you've uh, you you've had an opportunity now. You were introduced to it back in the early 2000s, and here we are, almost mm-hmm. uh, approaching uh, 2020, and so you've got mm-hmm. you know somewhere around 18, almost 19 years that you've been exposed to the game, and and we're going to talk about some of the benefits in that in a minute. The, the reason why I wanted to, to get a kind of a, a little bit of a backstory is because obviously I did my research. I know that you didn't play, you know, uh, didn't grow up playing golf and, and things like that. That was not something that, that uh, you had a lot of exposure to earlier on. And a lot of people don't. And it isn't until later on, and particularly women um, in the business place are, are, as you pointed out very eloquently, are kind of left behind. You know, the guys come in, uh, like you say, after the weekend, they've maybe played with their friends or maybe they entertain some clients on the golf course. And a lot of, uh, the girls, or even in the corporate events, a lot of times uh, the girls are, are sort of stuff, uh, you know, stuck on the side, you know, um, accepting, you know, the people coming to play, but they don't get to play themselves, and um, mm-hmm. or they're, you know, they're making up the the, the prizes or, um, you know, gift bags and things like that, and they're kind of left out of the process. And you know, exactly. I'm a big proponent, yeah, and, and and I'm a big proponent of of women. Uh, especially entrepreneurs, um, but women, business women, executives, and that being introduced to golf because, you know, I remember, and I'm going to tell you this very quickly, and then because I don't want to make this about me tonight. Um, my uh, sister, who unfortunately is no longer with us, um, I remember years and years ago. She, you know, I've played golf since I was a, you know, knee high to a grasshopper. Um, she could never understand, uh, and she was like yourself, a bank executive, and never understand the benefits of playing golf and used to criticize you know this being the the uh, week of the masters in fact tonight was the first uh, day of the masters tournament in augusta georgia um you know we're uh, yeah i was watching the masters tournament and she just said i don't get it you know i don't get chasing the stupid little white ball and blah 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 and long story short i said have you ever played she said no i said have you ever gone to the driving range no i said well then go and do that 
and at least give it a try, and if you don't like it, then you've got the right to criticize. And she did, and much like yourself, she understood the benefits and got you know bit by the proverbial golf bug. And until the day she yeah. passed, uh, you know she she was able to play. And the, the reason why I want to say that is there's a lot of women that are very intimidated because it is still very new, even though uh, the LPJ Tour and many of the other women's tours out there uh, have done great. But that's at, a, that's at a, a pro elite level. But for the average working woman out there, um, there are many benefits. And I want you to maybe talk a little bit about some of the benefits that you've discovered very early on. Um, and, and some of the things that golf doors that has opened up for you, not just with clients, but open up in general for you. Um, so talk a little bit about that. When you first, back in 2000, 2001, whatever, and you first learned uh, and, and took some lessons, you went and did what? You went and took a few lessons and then started to play, or, or how did it proceed from there? Well, I took a few lessons, and like I said, I found that I really enjoyed it. So to your point, I feel like until you try it, you can't knock it. And I encourage people to at least get out there and try it first. So I tried it. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed it. And the conversation that then took place when I spoke to colleagues or comrades or anyone else who played the game, was I was excited about it. So I would tell them that I took lessons. And it was like, oh, really great. And so now instantly you find a point of commonality with people who you Mm -hmm. otherwise would not have that common interest with that are a lot more interested in talking to you just over that one little thing. And and you immediately realize that golf is like this exclusive membership. I remember back in the day there was the um, the American Express commercial membership has its privileges. It was kind of like that. Automatically you're included in this special little club, so to speak, just by virtue of the fact that you play or, or that you've given it a, a try. So um, immediately it gave me a sense of a better connection with my colleagues that did play, and I can now participate a little bit more in the conversations that were taking place. Um, you're viewed differently, especially being a woman that is interested in the sport or who plays the sport. Um for whatever reason, it gives you an immediate, whether deserved or not, amount of credibility and respect. <laughs> so I found that yep. quite interesting. <laughs> so it's like immediately your respect level goes up just by virtue of the fact that yes. you can speak it intelligently, that you understand, um, and that you're brave enough, I guess, to um, stand toe-to-toe with the guys out there or with anybody else out there. So that was some of the immediate um, results that I got just from going out and taking a few lessons. And from there, um, because I was a bank executive, when you work for a large company like that, they're going to sponsor anywhere from three to 12 tournaments a year, just depending on the size of the organization, Um, because there's always going to be a local charity, a local chamber event, or someone that wants to – that is putting on a tournament and they're going to look for sponsorships. And the minute they, they ask for sponsorships and, the, and your company agrees, they're going to need players. And they put, put it out to the employees. And what happens is the guys all volunteer and most of the time it's the women abstain because the women yep. feel, like you said, intimidated. And they're like, well, I don't know that and I'm not going yes. to go out and embarrass myself so I don't want to play. Well, right. for me, the next time an opportunity presented itself, 
um, one of my colleagues said, Michelle, um, you should join us. And, of course, I did not feel like I was ready. And I was like, guys, I only took two lessons. I'm not ready. I'm like, no, no, just come. And really that was a turning point for me because when I accepted the invitation and I did go out and play, first thing I noticed was the playing field. There was 100 guys and me. So I'm the only female out there. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. while most people would feel totally like a fish out of water, and I did feel a little bit nervous about it, I realized it was actually a plus, but because I sit out, everyone wanted to know, well, who is that? So people are going to naturally come over and talk to you. And um, I had people coming up to me, hey, you know, what do you do? Who are you? And conversations ensued where I was able to network and connect with people and create relationships that ended up leading to me being able to actually achieve success from a business standpoint. So um, that actually led to a couple of really good referral contacts, one being a CPA that was able to refer me deals, which was instrumental in me um, being able to become a member of the Million Dollar Club at the bank at the time. So I would say to the women who feel intimidated and fearful that the fear comes from not knowing. And the, and the right. biggest thing that women are afraid of is thinking that um, I'm going to go out there and all of the guys are going to be amazing and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to suck and I'm not going to be able to perform well. But what they don't know is <laughs> most of the guys suck is what they don't know. <laughs> and no one right. tells them right. the secret. <laughs> and and, and right. it's a documented fact, and there's statistics to, to prove it. In fact, um, you're in the golf world. You know that 95% of all golfers never break 100. So you know. That's right. Like I know. Yep, that's exactly um, that most of them just go out there and hack it up and have a good time and reap the benefits of the relationship. So um, what I tell women is what hap- the reason why they have that perception is because men are great storytellers. So when they come back from yep. the golf course, it's all about that 250-foot putt that happened to drop because the golf gods were right. in their ear that day and they got lucky. <laughs> or, you know, that one drive that managed to stay in the fairway and it was a, you know, 280-yard drive, but they don't hear right. about the 100 strokes where the ball ended up in the water or, you know, in the woods or the ball went backwards. Right. <laughs> you know, or it just dropped right off the team next to their foot. They don't hear any of those stories where the guys are laughing and drinking and having a good time and, you know, just taking it in stride. So the perception that they walk away with is that all the guys are these amazing golf players or they played in high school and, you know, they were amateur champion or, you know, those are exceptions to the rule. But the average Sure. Guy is just like the average girl. They have a family. They have responsibilities. Yep. They don't. They're not playing every day. They're not playing every weekend. They're maybe playing a few times a year when there's a company-sponsored event. So they can. Um, that's one fear that they can drop or they can let go of. Yep. Is the fear that I'm not good enough, and that 
that's the number one fear that keeps most women away from it. Right. You're exactly, you're exactly right. Well said. And, and I just want to add to that as well. Um, you know, in, in your analogy of, of men, I can, you know, obviously uh, I'm a, a golf professional. I've been in for a long, long time. And, you know, I have my ups and downs as well, uh, like anybody else does. But the truth of the matter is there's a lot of truth to what you just said, because most of these guys that are going out in the corporate world, they're doing it for, um, it, it's a, it's the camaraderie, it's the um, exchange of ideas, it's, it's, a, it's an opportunity for them, you know, in a, in a corporate event as an example, it's a great way for them to network. They get out there, and what better way, I mean, yeah. I don't care how proficient you are in, in sales, um, there's only so much information and so much you can learn about a client in a 20-minute sales call or a 10-minute sales call. But if you've got somebody's mm-hmm. attention for four or four and a half hours on a golf course, you get to know a little bit about them personally, you get to see how they handle themselves out in the golf course. Do they cheat? You know, are they using what we call the old foot wedge where if the ball's not in a good lie, they kind of kick it up the fairway. Uh, or, you know, they're playing somebody else's ball because they hit theirs, like you said, in the woods or something, and they found a ball on the side. Oh, here's my ball. Um, you know, yes, we do cheat. Some men do. I, I don't, but, uh, you know, obviously I'm in a profession. But, you know, a lot of the amateur men out there, they do. And, and uh, you know, they kibitz a little bit and they, you know, you know, they tease one another and things like that, and that's part of the fun. But for women, I, I think it, it, you're right. It's, it's, it's a social thing. Women are much better social creatures than men are. Um, and I think what happens is, again, much like your situation where you went out there the very first time or two and you were one of 100 people um, and you were the only woman there, it was very intimidating and very daunting. And that's what, like you said, a lot of women out of fear – don't take that first step. Um, and the truth of the matter is men really don't care if you're a great golfer. But the fact that you can join the conversation, as you said, and understand um, what it is they're talking about on, on some level, you don't even have to be necessarily at their level yet, but at some level you can join the conversation. Now you're part of that group. You're part of that, that yes. exclusive club, if you will. And if you do not do it, I'm telling you, and you know this yourself from doing it nearly 20 years, if you do not step out and take that chance as a businesswoman in today's market, you will fall behind. Now, obviously, there are some businesses that maybe don't, you know, you know, maybe don't benefit as much. But for the most part, if, uh, if as a woman executive or a woman entrepreneur, if you get out there and take some lessons and learn to play this game, there's a reason why golf has always been considered the number one business tool of anything. I don't care what books you read, what courses you take, golf is considered, and it's because of the opportunities and the advancements that it can make. Some of the wealthiest people on earth play golf. They may not be very good at it, but they play golf because that's where the deals are. More golf uh, more deals are done on golf courses than virtually anywhere else. And it's because it's a way for people to network and it's a way for people to get to know one another other than, like I said, in a, in a, in a short phone call or uh, a one-on-one meeting that you might only have 10 or 20 minutes to, to meet with them. So uh, some great points that you made, and I, I just wanted to mention that as well. Now, I also want to talk about, um, obviously, sister golf. Now, you decided to take it a step further. You went out, you, you took that initial step and went out and, and uh, learned to play the game a little bit, took some lessons and, and, and overcame that initial fear. And somewhere along the line, 
uh, the birth of Sister Golf came. How did that come about? Tell us a little bit about it. Sure. So when I saw the benefits that it had for me, the question became why aren't more women taking advantage of it? Because it became so obvious after it benefited me so greatly. And that's when I realized it's because, like we talked about earlier, one, um, women are afraid, women are intimidated. The other thing is women feel like they don't have the time to do it. And I think women don't prioritize it like men do because in some respects they still view it as goofing off or just playing or the guys are just playing. You know what, I'm going to – Right. Hunker down. I'm going to be the best at my job. I'm going to have, you know, and then I'm going to show my boss how great I am, how skilled I am at being an attorney, at being a banker, at being an IT professional, whatever the case may be. And they're going to know right. me, and I'm going to get the promotion that way. And what I think women fail to realize that getting recognized and getting the promotion and moving up is a combination of both um, performance currency yes. and what I call relationship currency. And you need the combination of both. And it's building those relationships with your colleagues and with the senior executive that when an opportunity presents itself um, that you're thought of for that opportunity. Because in many instances, there's the case where, you know, you're a director and you have John, who's a director as well, and you might be more proficient than he is, but he gets promoted because he's top of mind because that relationship was there and he was part of those informal networks that you missed out on. And so I felt like women were missing that information. They're walking around thinking that corporate America or the business world in general is strictly or solely based on a system of meritocracy. But really Mm -hmm. a big part of it, it's not solely meritocracy. We wish it was. That would be in an ideal world. Um, A lot Mm -hmm. of times it's more of a meritocracy. It's more of a, oh, you know, Paul reminds me of me when I was coming up in it's some, somebody that looks like you or somebody that has something in common with you. And you can use that right. as that point of commonality for them to think of you as well in addition to your skill set. So I felt like it was my job to bring that information to the fore and let more women know, okay, let me break down some of these myths and misconceptions and show you the steps to get from A to B and be able to participate in the next um, golf tournament that your company sponsors or puts on so you could take advantage of this and do it in a way that is not intimidating or that doesn't require that you invest a whole lot of time and money. And no one was doing that. And that's how the birth, that's how Sister Golf came about. Because even if you decided to step out like I did and independently say, okay, yes, I want to take lessons, a lot of there's a gap when you go to any golf course and you meet with a golf pro and you say, you know, I'd like to take four lessons or 10 lessons, whatever the case may be. They will put a club in your hand. They will show you proper grip, proper stance, alignment, swing plane, and all of that. But no one teaches you that golf is a game of 18 holes. It's comprised, you know, most golf courses play to a part. 
72. There's par fives, par fours, par threes. This is how you keep score. You know, um, what is when, when they say 90-degree only car path today, what does that mean? You know, no one teaches you yep. those parts of the game. And so even if you do take lessons, there's still a big gap. And because of that gap of information, women still feel intimidated and afraid because as women, we want to know the information. We want to be well equipped before we walk into the, to the golf course and, and know the lay of the land. And that's where Sister Golf came in to sort of fill in that gap and also to um, get rid of all of the myths and misconceptions to make it easier for women to say, I will take advantage of this. I am going to invest the time to do it, and I do see the value and the benefit. Yeah, exactly right. And again, well said. You know, the other thing too, Shella, is that, and and I like the way you phrased that. You know, about filling in the gap because one of the biggest complaints. You know, I've worked with a lot of women in in golf, and I actually have another program on Tuesday mornings called the Women of Golf, where I have a good friend of mine who's an LPGA professional, and we co-host that together, and we feature a lot of great young ladies coming up on on the various tours and and also some veterans. And one of the, some of the discussions that we've had over the years is that exact gap that you're talking about. Um, you know, you, you've gone and taken a few lessons and you maybe even played a few rounds and, and, and you understand that the general concept of the game of how to hit the ball, but then you show up to the golf course and you don't know what to do. You know, where do I go? Where do, do I drop my bag off here? You know, where, where do I go? And what's the etiquette? What's the etiquette on the course? And a lot of women particularly mm-hmm. that have never played um, they don't know that proper etiquette. And I'm not just talking about the general rules. Um, you know, obviously, if, you know, unless you're playing in, in a special uh, event, um, you know, you can, you can kind of get away with some of the rules, not necessarily follow them. But they don't know the proper etiquette. They don't know what to ask for. They don't know where to go. They don't know, um, you know, even, even the pulling into the parking lot. They don't even know where to go Correct. from there. Um, and that the right there, if <laughs> Right. They don't know, you know, where do I check in? Is it like a valet? Does somebody come up and greet me like at a hotel? No. You know, there's something you have to go to. And this is where I think if you have too many minuses and not enough pluses, then particularly women are going to shy away from it. They're going to say, well, this is just too intimidating. And by you creating this network through Sister Golf, what you're able to do is fill in, as you said, fill in some of the blanks, if you will, and fill in some of the gaps so that when they show up, even if they're not the greatest golfer on earth, which none of us are, they're going to feel confident because you've provided them with the necessary tools of how to get from point A to point B. And if they want to improve their golf game, well, then they continue to play and they work on the various things that their coach or their teacher professional has taught them. Um, But as far as the day-to-day and the different things that they're going to be faced with uh, playing golf and, and uh, some of the terminology in that, some of that's going to have to be, you know, worked on themselves or they can get involved with, with uh, what you're doing and learn some of that firsthand. And you do a lot of great workshops. So talk about some of the workshops a little bit. Um, just give an example of maybe one or two of, of some of the workshops that you have. Sure. So what we really cover is exactly what you said, you know, the, the rules of golf, the etiquette, things that prevent them from making faux pas where they're going to feel embarrassed, like, you know, not knowing that, oh, I shouldn't walk through somebody's putting line or, you know, just right. knowing 
to, you know, be quiet when someone is getting ready to tee off or getting ready to take a swing. Just those little type of nuances that no one tells you that you either learn by being embarrassed by. So we, we, we talk about those to try to get them, um, like you said, comfortable and confident that they know what to do when they get there and, you know, what how to dress properly. I had one of my clients tell me a story that um, her boss had invited her out to to play and she had clubs, and she she hadn't really played before, but she accepted the invitation, and she went online, and she researched what to wear, and she showed up right. in some golf shorts, and she had on a boat neck shirt. And when they were while they were in the clubhouse, someone said to her, um, so what are you here for? And she said, oh, I'm playing right. in a tournament. And they go, Oh no, you're not. Not with that shirt on. And she said she was mortified. Right. So yeah, because she felt like oh, she thought she had done all of the research, and she said, you know, luckily, her boss was a member at that country club and told her just pick out any shirt you want and made it as painless as it possibly could have been. Right. So we cover things to get them. Um, prepared so they get past that. You know, we go over general golf rules now. In 2019, um, they've updated the, the rules of golf to, and alleviated yep. some of the, the the stricter points to make it more accessible and more fun. So um, we go over those types of things as well. I really stress the importance of pace of play because, as they say, we don't care if you play bad, but we do care if you play slow. And right. as far as women is concerned, <laughs> Whether we deserve that stereotype or not, we just have this bad rap of being labeled as playing slowly. So I try to tell women, okay, keep the chatter to the golf cart. When you're on the tee box, it's time to set up and take your swing and not, you know, halt the conversation right there because you want to be mindful of pace of play. So my main thing um, with the workshops is really educating women um, one, on the benefits, and two, on the basic fundamentals of the game, the flow of the game, so they can have a feel for what it's like. Um, and I tell them to couple that with um, going to any golf course and signing up for maybe a Get Golf Ready class so they have the swing part down. And I, like I said, add in the missing piece in the workshop. And I also do one-on-ones where I'll actually – play nine holes or 18 holes and sort of simulate what a scramble is. So what they want to be prepared before they take place in a scramble, we've already sort of done a, a run through, so to speak. So they show up fully ready and confident and know what things are. And I point out things like, okay, no, that's not a garbage can. That's a ball washer or that's a club washer. Right. You know, so things like that, because right. you can easily walk over and have trash in your hand and put it in there, and then people, you know, your playing partner is looking at you like, okay, has she never been on a golf course before? So it's those little things that people don't think about, really, that, you know, intimidate you from yeah. wanting to go out there. And we make sure to cover all of those things so that you are confident when you go out onto the course. Yeah, you're so exactly right, and, and I want to just <laughs> – Go ahead. Sorry, no, please. What I was just going to add to it is, just in 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 um, defense of the of the uh, golf professional, um, you're exactly right. I mean, their function there is is really to um, to teach you how to 
you know, play the game and, and give you the fundamentals of the game. Mm-hmm. And obviously they're not there. Um, and, and this is where organizations like yourself and, and your business model have sort of stepped in to fill in that gap. And you play a very important role because again, you know, as a, as a golf professional, I mean, our, our main agenda is to bring people out to the golf course and teach them how to play the game. Um, but we don't have the, the time or the resources to, you know, get into all the intricacies like you're doing um, and, and, you know, make a living. So obviously we need uh, something. And this is where you can partner with a lot of uh, courses and golf professionals and help some of their newer members or some of the women that want to come out and play and get an idea of um, some of the intricacies like you talked about. Um, and then, you know, uh, work with the, with the teacher professional as well to, to learn to play the game better. But at the same time, they're getting an education from you uh, and, and groups like yours to, uh, to be able to understand what to do once you get to the golf course. So kudos to you for, yes, for doing that. Uh, I think it's, uh, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. I didn't mean to cut you, you off. So Thank you so much. I appreciate that. And, and what you said was key. And it's really getting um, the golf professionals to understand that what we are looking to do yeah. is create a partnership because while I enjoy the game, I am not a teaching professional. And um, right. I have helped some ladies out of because they didn't have anywhere else to go. But my main goal is to refer the ladies that want to learn to the teaching professional for them to get the lessons from there. And, you know, and I want to focus on teaching them the part about the fundamentals and the networking part and is it appropriate, you yep. know, people ask, you know, well, when do I talk about business? And I'm like, well, really the golf course is not your platform for your sales pitch at all. The golf course is where no. the relationship is forged. The the sales yep. pitch comes at the 19th hole or at the follow-up call. You know, so, and um, yes. when people hear, all the deals are made on the golf course, and particularly if, they, if they're unfamiliar, if they haven't played, they have this picture of, okay, by hole number three, you know, I'm breaking down right. all of the services and, and, and the bells and whistles of my product, and by hole number seven, you know, yep. I'm coming in with the clothes. No, that's not how it goes. So um, no, that's another right. thing to cover in the workshop. <laughs> is, is the yeah, you're exactly game. right. Go ahead. It's, it's, it's almost like you're, no, you're I, hosting someone in your home and you want that interaction to go well. You want them to feel welcome. You want to have a good time. And you want at the end of the round for them to walk away saying, wow, you know, that Ted is an awesome guy. I had a really good time with him. And he, and he has some really good jokes, too. That's what you want. You right. want that feeling of camaraderie. You want that feeling of connection. And, and then you want that, oh, who knew his third cousin was my um, son's baseball teacher? You, that type of a thing. Right. And then you follow up with, you know, the business, and then the business tends to take place naturally. So that's, yeah. that's the purpose of the, the whole playing together to get to know one another. Yeah, you're exact. Yeah, you're exactly right. You know, Shella. One of the things that, as you pointed out, what a lot of people misunderstand is when when we say that a lot of deals are done on the golf course, it's really a, a kind of a misnomer. It's not that the actual deals in most cases are necessarily done on the golf course. They may have a follow up uh, event or something, but really the relationships are built on the golf course or started or developed um, while playing golf. And then at some point, as you, again, as, as people become more comfortable with one another, and it goes back to what I said very early on in the discussion, 
um, you know, you can get on the phone and you can do your sales pitch and things like that. And most people are rolling their eyes or they're half listening or they're distracted by something on their computer or, you know, the secretary's walked into their office. But on the golf course, they're there to relax, to have, you know, you've invited them out to an event. They're there to have a good time. And you're exactly right. By hole number three or seven or whatever the case is, you don't start hitting them with, uh, with everything that you've got. You want to get to know them. And to be honest, there are some cases, believe it or not, and people might find this hard to believe, you may not want to do business with that person. You know, once you've gotten to know them after four hours, they may drive you nuts. They may, they may cheat a lot. They may yes. be very unethical in their way they, they handle themselves. And you might be saying, wow, you know what? Uh, I can forego this, this business deal. This is not the kind of customer uh, that I want to have uh, or the client I want to have. Um, so you can Absolutely. learn a lot from people's characters. Um, and and their their ethics and and the way they conduct themselves. I mean, there's a lot of business people out there that are very very good, but there's also a few that are not so good. And you know, the last thing you want to do is be introducing your boss to uh, you know Ted over here, and you know he ends up being one of the most unethical business people you'd ever meet. Um, you know, just because you were pushing pushing for some sort of a, a deal. Um, so this is your time to get to know person. Uh, you know, people as you suggest. Uh, and then, you know, later, and let the client sort of lead the, the conversation. If they want to talk yeah. and learn more about your services, then that's the, that's when you open the door and, and you give them just a little bit. And then if they want a little bit more, you give them a little bit more. But, yeah, the worst thing you can ever do is to start hitting them over the head with the sales pitch because I'll tell you right now, yeah. they will never come back out. You are absolutely right. you know that. correct. That's what, <laughs> I think. That's what I think is let them lead. If, if they ask the question, then by all means, definitely answer it. But you don't go prepared with your, you know, PowerPoint presentation memorized no. in your head and hit with a different point on every hole. That's the last thing you want to do because you'll never get invited <laughs> back out again. <laughs> right, exactly. Because they're, they're there to have fun. They're there to, right, they're there to enjoy themselves. They're there to, uh, you know, to share an experience and get to know you. This is their opportunity just as much as it is yours to get to know you and say, okay, well, you know, do I want to do business with Shella? You know, what does she have to offer me? And what's, what's her uh, character like? You know, is she very aggressive? Is she very, you know, pushy? Um, you know, is she really looking out for my best interest? And if you're hitting them, you know, from out of the pro shop with everything you've got uh, and you haven't even hit the first tee yet, uh, that's a big turnoff to most businesses. And uh, a smart, you know, sometimes, sometimes taking that step back, um, and and just sort of letting the, you know, the, the natural day flow, sometimes can be your best ally. And um, I think a lot of people need to learn that, and women particularly, because you know they, they want to feel like their time is being well spent, and uh, they want to feel part of the conversation and part of the group, uh, and they just want to go out and have a good time too. And I think that. What you're offering here through Sister Golf is obviously to do just that, is to become part of the conversation and become part of the group. And you know what? You don't have to be a great golfer. You can be the worst golfer on the planet. But if you go out there with a positive attitude and just have fun, regardless of how well or, or, or not you play, um, people are going to see that. And they're going to see that you're humble and they say, hey, you know what? Yeah, you hit a crappy shot. So did I in the last two holes. And you know, we're just out here having right. a good time and getting to know one another, and that's really what it's about. Um, sorry, I didn't mean to get on my soapbox there. Um, no, you're so fine. You're fine. What you I wanna... brought up a really good point. Go ahead. No, You had please, brought up ahead. a really good point um, a, a second ago, and I wanted to touch on that, which was um, 
you know, women want to feel like they're getting their point across or taking care of business. And I think a part of the apprehension sometimes for women is that they feel like the guys are out there playing or goofing off or wasting time and they're not really working and they don't see golf as an integral part of the business process. And they think, no, I have so much work to do, I don't have time to go out and play, but they don't realize what an impact from a business standpoint um, spending that time on the golf course with a potential client or with a colleague, what value that really brings. And as a, as a woman, a lot of times I had to realize, even though I knew the benefits, I still had to fight my natural inclination to feel that way because sometimes I would get invited to go out and play, and I'm like, no, I got all this work to do. I really don't have time to play. And then I would have to say, you know what, I have to take my own medicine and, and take my own advice <laughs> where I tell people the same thing and, and force myself to go. And I'm always happy that I did go because I always walk away with a relationship that turns into whether I learn something, whether it turned into a business partnership, whether it turned into a deal, it always made sense. It was it was always the better choice that I did say yes and accept the invitation to go play. So really just getting past that mindset of thinking or viewing it as just playing or wasting time and seeing it as investing time in a relationship that will reap benefits in the future is a, another shift that um, – we talk about and try to help women attain for, um, from a sister golf standpoint. Right. And, you know, you, you, you mentioned here in, in some of the notes, you know, you talk about the, um, the sort of the pay parity between the genders. And that's one of the reasons why, um, as you mentioned earlier on in the, in the segment, you know, you talked about how, you know, um, you know, you were working really hard at your desk and, and getting, you know, all of the, the answers for everything and that, but the guys were out playing golf, but they seemed to be, you know, elevating themselves a little bit more. And it was very puzzling, I'm sure, to you at first as to why these guys seem to be, you know, hitting all their goals and beyond. And I'm, you know, busting my buns here behind the desk doing, you know, all the stuff I, I think I should be doing. And this is something that, you know, women are, are starting to understand now is, again, it's not all about crunching the numbers and it's not all, um, you know, about getting every presentation just to look just so it's about building those relationships mm -hmm. and building that trust. Because I will tell you right now, people will go, I, I've, I've experienced it myself, people will buy just about anything from you if they trust you. If you tell yes. them that, hey, I've got, you know, whatever it is, whether it's a financial package, whether it's a, you know, if you're a car salesman or whatever the case may be, real estate agent, if they feel comfortable with you, and they feel that they can trust you and rely on your, your judgment and you have a good rapport with them, you can pretty much uh, write your own ticket. But if you're rambling off a bunch of stats and things like this and they really don't know you that well or haven't gotten to know you other than through one or two sales calls, um, you're going to have a tougher time closing that deal. Now, I'm not saying it doesn't happen, but more often than not, it doesn't. And that's what I think has really differentiated the, the men from women in business for so many years. And I think women are starting to recognize that now. And obviously you have, because you saw it through your own uh, success uh, as time went on. But initially that was something that I think has held a lot of women back is not understanding 
that it's not just about uh, again putting together the presentation it's about develop, uh, developing and building those relationships Did that pretty much sum it up absolutely no absolutely and from a pay parity standpoint um, some interesting facts that I had come across recently one was a, a staff from NPR that said that um, before we arrive at gender pay parity from a legislative standpoint where it's just accepted that men and women get paid um, the equal amount for doing the same job, it will be the year 21-22. To further that statistic, I recently heard a talk from um, Sally Krawcheck, who is a, um, owns the company Elvis, which encourages women to invest, and that was uh, Caucasian women are decades away from gender pay parity, black women are 100 years away from gender pay parity, and Hispanic women are right. 200 years away from gender pay parity. So when you look at those statistics, as a female, if you um, sit back and you say to yourself, I'm going to wait until the world, you know, makes it equitable, you're going to be waiting a very long time. So what I encourage exactly. you to do is there are things that you can do, you know, grab the bull by the horns and take control of your own yep. circumstance and do some things and put some things in place that can help yourself because the statistics also show that executives who play golf make 17% more than those who don't. And then for executives right. who play golf well, they make 45% more than those who don't. Yep. So why not? And, and it's learning the sport and leveraging it in business is a lot cheaper than going back to school and spending $70,000 or $100,000 to get your right. MBA for maybe for maybe a $5,000 a year raise. So I'm like, look, right. you know, com let's compare the two, which one is the shorter period of time and which one will have the greater return. So if it's not that difficult to do and you have it at your disposal, so why not take advantage of it? Yeah, and I, I could even add one more thing, which is going to be more fun: opening up a bunch of books and to oh, get your yeah. MBA, oh, yeah. or hitting, yeah. or hitting, <laughs> or hitting the links. Right? No, you 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 oh, yeah, brought yeah, up yeah. A, an excellent point. Yeah, you brought up an excellent point as well, Shella. Um, you know, I, I think that this is uh, again, um, you know, I, I'm all for, um, you know, closing that gap for pay. But I think that I think that women need to understand the value and the potential that they have, and I think they're, in some ways, by sitting back as you suggest, I think they're doing themselves a disservice. You've got to take the initiative like you do. I mean, think about this for a second. Mm -hmm. Think back to 2000, 2001 in that range before you took that sort of leap of faith, if you will, and decided to go out and give mm -hmm. golf a, a try. Think of where you would be today if you hadn't have gone that route. Now, obviously, I'm sure you would have still been very successful, but you have to ask yourself this question. Would you have been as successful if you hadn't have taken that step? And I would probably say no. Uh, and that's not to say that golf is the end-all, be-all, but you recognized the value of taking that step, and you took the risk. And I think this is what more and more women need to do is take that risk. And the ones that do, once they've done it, they look back and they say, God, I can't believe I waited that long to do something like this. Yes. And then they yes. start to see the benefit. And that's exactly what happened to you, correct? Absolutely. And golf has opened so many doors for me that I would not have even imagined. Just the, the caliber of people I've met, the um, 
the connections that I've been able to to make, um, just the access and the proximity that it has has given me in more ways than one has is has just been tremendous and too much to mention. And when I speak to other women who have also benefited from it, although they're few and far between, and we need a lot more of them, but the few of them that have right. used it as a tool in their career, they all have the same story. They're, they're like, it, it, was a, it was a game changer. It was a complete game changer for them yep. in, in, in well, every respect, from an income standpoint, from um, an ability to move up the ladder standpoint, from an opportunity standpoint, just complete game changer. And, and like you said, and not to mention, it is fun, and it's, in addition to that, you, it's something that you can do well into your um, senior years. It's something you can do with your family. Yep. It's something that has a health benefit. I never thought myself to be an outdoors person, and because of golf, I have become an outdoor door person. I love to be outdoors. So yep. the benefits are plenty in number. There's a numerous amount of benefits from the sport. Although my approach to yep. getting women in it is, you know, is from a – primarily from a business and a career benefit standpoint, sure. but the benefits are, are too many to, to, to mention. It's something you can do with your family. It's just yeah. all around, you know, I'm, I'm probably, which I laugh at myself because I think back to prior to 2001, if you had asked me, you know, what would I be doing today at 20, <laughs> in 2019? Would I be this, <laughs> owner of Sister Golf, the number one advocate of golf for women, the answer would have been a resounding no. So I find it really interesting right. how um, sometimes you just have to go where life leads you, and this has just been an awesome journey. Well, let me, let me leave you, and let me leave you with a sort of closing thought as, as we wrap things up, and then I'm going to give you an opportunity to, to let the folks know how they can reach out to you to, to learn more. You know, I've always said this from a very, very early age, golf mimics life in so many ways. And just to give you a very quick example, you know, through life we have a lot of different trials and tribulations and challenges that we're faced with. And out in the golf course, we have the same thing, whether it be bunkers, water hazards, you know, out of bounds, that sort of thing. And just the different, difficult navigation of, of getting it from uh, the tee box into the hole in the green. And if you're able to um, use the skills that you develop to navigate along the golf course, it's going to help you in life as well. It's going to help you every time you're faced with those challenges, you're going to remember that hole number 15 on such and such golf course that you were able to navigate some of those difficult challenges that you were faced out there. So when real situations come in life, you're going to be able to use the skills that you've learned out in the golf course, believe it or not, will help you in life. And if you really stop and think about it, there's a lot of truth to that statement. And that's why so many people are drawn to golf because it is such a challenging game. It's it's demanding in some ways, but not as demanding as other sports. And again, as you pointed out, you can play golf well into your senior years, um, as many still do. And uh, mm -hmm. unlike many other sports, not that they're not great too, um, but they can be very physically demanding on the body. And and uh, you know you can't always play them when you're you know 70, 80, 90 years old. So um, and it's just a great way to get around friends and family and business associates and just have a good time together uh, in a very relaxed and, and calm way and get to know one another. And there's just a, a million, as you said, a million benefits to it. So for a lot of women out there that are listening to the show tonight, 
um, how can they reach out to you and learn a little bit more about Sister Golf? Where do they go to get the information? Sure. Um, I have a website, which is www.sistergolf.com. I also have a Facebook page. So um, on, on the Facebook page, it's just facebook.com slash sistergolf. I'm also on Twitter and Instagram, and on all of those platforms, it's just Sister Golf, at Sister Golf, all one word. Um, Perfect. Perfect. And what I'm excited and all of your to um, also, go ahead. I was just going to say all your all your contact information is on obviously on your website and through social media. So if they want to reach out to you, uh, they can get you through those uh, platforms. Correct? Absolutely, they can reach me through um, my my website or through social media. But I was wanted to say I'm excited to announce that at the end of April I'm going to be launching an online course. So we were do, I was doing a live course here in Birmingham, Alabama, where it was a four-week class where we cover all of the basic fundamentals. But for women that aren't here locally or don't have the um, flexibility to meet in an in-person class, we will be having a virtual class online, and information about that will be on the website as well. Perfect. Um, so go to sistergolf.com, and uh, they can get all the information there, including how to reach out to Shella Silla. Um, well, Shella, thank you very much. for It's been a pleasure having you on the show, and I would love for you to come back uh, again maybe a little bit later on in the year or something, and, and we can continue this conversation. Maybe we can talk about some of the things that you've done throughout the season. Um, but I really enjoyed our conversation, and I think what you're doing is fantastic. I think, uh, you know, as we talked about earlier, I think when the golf industry and teach professionals like myself and business professionals like yourself can find ways to sort of marry together um, our relationships. I think everybody wins. And uh, for all you women out there listening, go to sistergolf.com and, and check out uh, Shella's uh, website. Um, I'm sure there's a lot of great information already on the website. And uh, sign up for some of the workshops, Matt. Get out there and get engaged because until you take that first step, you're always going to be wondering, well, you know, how can I better – uh, my situation here, or how can I do things? And until you take that first step, you're never going to know. So um, now's the time to do it. So, Shella, thank you very much for, for coming on tonight. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure for me as well. Looking forward to next time. Okay. Well, I look forward and have a great season and get out there and, and have some fun golfing and obviously do some business along the way. Thank you. Will do. All right. Have a great week. Thank you, you too. All right, that was my very special guest, Shella Silla, founder and president of Sister Golf. Um, again, go to sistergolf.com, and you can check out her website with all our contact information and, and some of the upcoming events and, and uh, workshops and such that uh, she has available. You can find all that information there, and uh, you can also find the links to her social media platforms as well if you want to follow her uh, on some of those platforms. Uh, again, I will be back next week here, and next Tuesday we'll have uh, another great guest, and Cindy is going to be bringing on one of her students uh, next uh, week as well, and we're going to have a, a great young lady from the Symmetric Tour. Uh, they don't have a tournament in the next couple of weeks, so it won't be one of the winners, but uh, they're all winners in my books, but uh, there'll be somebody be joining from the Symmetric Tour, uh, one of the players next week, so I hope you'll join there. And we're going to have uh, just a little bit of a discussion, uh, as I mentioned earlier, about Marilyn Smith, of course, one of the one of the founders of the LPGA uh, and sort of a memoriam of her. And we want to wish uh, all the best to her 
family, our sincerest uh, and condolences to the loss of Marilyn Smith and to all of the uh, people in the golf profession who uh, have known her over these years. Uh, I know it's been a very difficult uh, few days to uh, certainly rest in the fact that she did so many great things and was just a, a wonderful uh, spirit, a wonderful soul, and uh, we're certainly going to miss her. Um, on that note, I will see you next week here on Golf Talk Live. God bless everybody and have a great week. Thanks for listening to this evening's broadcast of Golf Talk Live. Remember to tune in each week at blogtalkradio.com forward slash golf talk live. If you can't join us live, check out the on-demand section for previously aired broadcasts or listen on any of the following social media platforms, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, CastBox, TalkStream Live, and of course, Spotify. To get updates on future shows and upcoming guests, be sure to visit the show's Facebook page, Golf Talk Live Blog. You can also follow me on Twitter at Ted and Buck CEO. Remember to join me live each week for another great broadcast of Golf Talk Live. See you next time. This has been a production of the iGolf Sports Network.